0: organization that has worked tirelessly to educate Canadians about Lyme disease and its effects for decades. The Canadian Lyme Disease Foundation is run by volunteers, and it's dedicated to promoting research, education, diagnosis, and treatment of Lyme and associated diseases. They do amazing work, and this podcast is just one of their many initiatives. On this edition of Looking at Lyme, we're going to meet the founder and president. Jim Wilson has a long history with Lyme disease in this country from coast to coast. He knows all too well its effects on people living with Lyme and their families. Jim contracted Lyme 30 years ago in Nova Scotia, back when very little was known about Lyme disease in Canada. His own daughter contracted Lyme 10 years later in British Columbia's Okanagan Valley. Jim founded CanLyme to increase awareness and educate medical professionals. He joins us now from Kelowna, British Columbia. Hello, Jim.
1: Good afternoon. How are you?
0: Great. Thank you. Let's go back to the very beginning and talk about why did you start Can Lime?
1: Uh, Well, the the reason I started is because um, I contracted lime in 1991 in Dartmouth, Nova Scotia, Um. And it took a long time to get an appropriate diagnosis and and treatment. Then uh, during that time, we had moved to British Columbia uh, from Nova Scotia. And in 2001, my daughter and other kids in our community here contracted Lyme disease. And uh, that was just too much of a a coincidence for for my mind. And uh, so the more I looked into it, uh, the... What I, what I found was it was not the disease that was rare in Canada, it was the diagnosis that was rare. But yet we had always been told that it was such a, a rare East Coast American disease. And uh, still to this day, some doctors are telling patients that we don't have it here or we don't have it in a particular region, but we definitely do and it's coast to coast.
0: How have attitudes changed since you founded
1: Canlime? General public are becoming much more aware now, and um, you know are questioning uh, the the denial of doctors, and and as a result of that, they have to seek out their own methods of diagnosis and and treatment because the medical community is still locked in in old dogma that uh, just hasn't held up.
0: So over the past two decades, what successes has CanLime had?
1: Well, I think the the biggest successes we've had is raising uh, the public profile of the disease through various types of media, um, radio, television, uh, newspapers, magazines, and social media so i think that's a that's been a success um we've uh, raised the profile within government uh and sadly that hasn't uh hasn't really led to any improvement um certainly with the uh selling of our tick removal kits and whatnot our profile is out there um you know Right across Canada, many companies with uh, out of doors employees um, order these kits in in bulk orders uh, so that they can have them in each of their medical kits or their pickup trucks, uh, glove box or or that sort of thing. Because um, the um, people who hadn't really encountered ticks are now running into ticks much more frequently.
0: So when thinking in particular about awareness and prevention of Lyme disease in Canada, what do you think is one of the biggest barriers?
1: I think the biggest barrier is that medical dogma. And and sadly, our medical leadership in Canada is stuck and is intentionally hanging on to this dogma, ignoring the the volumes of reams of science and published research out there showing that they're their methodology uh, has been wrong, and it it's still wrong. Um, diagnostics and treatment are are terrible. Uh, prevention, um, in itself, um, requires um, a more rounded knowledge in the first place of the disease itself, and the public and the medical com- community haven't been getting that knowledge the the appropriate knowledge uh, so as a result there hasn't been a lot of uh investment in prevention uh m- methods uh across canada because the medical leadership specifically from the uh, infectious disease community has always uh told government that this is no big deal and that, uh, you know, it's nothing to be concerned about it. They have it all under control. And that is so far from the reality that it's uh, it's almost laughable.
0: Now, I know you're involved in working with people from coast to coast all across Canada. Uh, how would you describe public awareness about Lyme in Canada and across Canada? Because I'm sure you see some geographical differences.
1: Well, certainly, in the more highly endemic areas, uh, it has become, you know, a, a more talked-about topic simply because it's uh, there's so many people becoming infected, such as uh, Nova Scotia, uh, New Brunswick, uh, Quebec, Ontario, Manitoba. Uh, not so much so in Manitoba, Saskatchewan, yet, but it's coming. It's there, uh, just not in the numbers that uh, other provinces are seeing, and the same with british columbia it's It's certainly uh, an issue, uh, very underdetected uh, issue, under diagnosed issue in in British Columbia as well.
0: Do you see that certain provinces are making more strides and advances than others?
1: that's hard to say the the as far as public awareness they're making strides but as far as patients getting appropriate treatment for the long-term consequences of, of Lyme disease for for those people who aren't um, uh, treated quickly and appropriately uh, they you know have long-term co- chronic uh infections and uh the medical community is not prepared to deal with that in fact the uh association of medical microbiology infection and infectious diseases of canada AMI, um, they still claim that chronic lyme disease does not exist despite the abundance of published peer-reviewed uh, papers showing otherwise so it's it's been very difficult uh, from a patient perspective.
0: Yeah, there seems to be an overwhelming amount of information online about Lyme disease. So how can people access the right information and the right support?
1: Well, there is an abundance of information out there. Um, sites like the Canadian Lyme Disease Foundation uh, have an abundance of uh, information and uh we are very science-based, evidence-based, and um, so what we what we, state what we state and and the research that we publish uh, well, we don't publish. We we post links to published scientific papers. So there's a lot of information uh, that can be garnered from our website, and there's other comparable websites. Uh, um, which are, are patient-supported but yet science-based because uh, you know we deal with uh, scientists uh, from around the globe on every aspect of Lyme disease, um, right from the uh, micro, microbiology to the uh, entomological studies to uh, uh, physician uh, case studies, uh, phys- physician training, so we have a great deal of evidence-based uh, information that we provide.
0: It is so important to know where to get the right information.
1: It's sadly, you know, very available to the public. But um, as many people know, the medical community, the physicians themselves are, are told to ignore sites like ours and only only go to the the government sites or the the medical professional organizational sites but those sites uh, and the information provided therein is uh, it's it's full of circular reasoning and and they mostly cite their own membership papers or those of uh, those research studies that were Designed in such a way to to have a certain outcome, so there's a lot of confirmation bias mm. in our mainstream uh, publicly funded research that, uh, sadly, is is not uh, not readily available to scientists who who don't wish to just follow a certain design. There's very limited uh, freedom of thought. Uh, allowed in the in the way our current research dollars are allocated relative to tick-borne diseases, and uh, I presume relative to many things, and I, I think uh, that's something our our politicians are going to have to grapple with.
0: Mm-hmm. There doesn't seem to be many opportunities for physicians to get training. I know Can Lyme was able to offer grants for physicians and healthcare professionals this year and in the past to attend the ILADS conference. Are there any other places you would recommend physicians would be able to access training?
1: Well, I think that's internationally probably the uh, the best that's available right now, and through that, uh, through ILEDs, which is the International Lyme and Associated Diseases Society, um, through that you they they are able to. Um, Communicate with uh, physicians and researchers uh, around the world, so I think it's a great resource, and um, and they can access uh, uh, just about any field of of uh, interest that they may have relative to tick-borne diseases.
0: It would be really nice to see more of this content taught in medical schools as well.
1: Oh, absolutely, and and currently. Uh, it's it's the old guard dogma who control everything that goes into our medical curriculum, um, and they have this very strange uh, definition of what they call patient uh, collaboration. It's it's not really patient collaboration. It's it's them designing and doing stuff, and then you coming back and reviewing it later. And then if you as you do your your review, uh, typically uh, historically, um, it's ignored anyhow. Any input given, so true, true um, collaboration from patient uh, input is required to start right from the beginning, right from the terms of reference of what it is that you're you're studying or, or going to um, going to look at you don't bring the patient in after everything's been done. Uh, the surveys have been written, uh, that, that's not collaboration. That's just, uh, checking off a box just to, to serve a a particular need. Um, and, and sadly that's been allowed to occur, uh, through the Canadian Institute of Health Research and Public Health Agency of Canada. Um, and, and it's a very, very sad testament to the, uh, the lack of professionalism uh, within our our research and and medical structure in Canada.
0: So you have some background in law and investigating medical malpractice. How has that helped you with Lyme?
1: Well, it helped in in the initial uh, beginnings because, number one, I had already been exposed to the medical community and some of the deficits therein so uh, i knew there were problems within the medical community Uh, and it also made me much more curious when my daughter got uh, contracted lyme disease a decade after i got it and and 4500 kilometers or or so from where i got it and uh, there's two members of one family out Contracting what is we were told was was such a rare disease that just didn't uh, didn't jive with my uh, my my spidey senses went up and yeah. uh, and that's why I uh, started Canlime was to to fill that void of data gap that was there.
0: What do you hope Canlime will accomplish in twenty twenty one and beyond?
1: Well, I we continue to strive to to. Push the hand of the of the medical community, or um, medical leadership, public health agency of Canada, to be appropriately collaborative. Um, you know, even on the Canadian Institute of Health Research website, they they state right in there that the best outcomes for any medical Um, research uh, is when they bring the patients in right from the get-go, right from the design of any research, right from the terms of reference, and and they equally participate in the development of, of that. And until that occurs, we're not going to see things change. And so, you know we're going to continue on that basis but we're also going to continue to fund our own science
0: absolutely with, with
1: the, the, the help of our amazing donors that we have um, and the excellent uh, Canadian uh, scientists that that are working on Lyme disease so we we are helping move this forward uh, in spite of uh, of the dropping of the ball by the medical leadership who should be doing what we are now having to do through private donors. Uh, there's a great deal of our taxpayer money funding research that is just uh, so flawed and so full of confirmation bias that uh, it's just a, an absolute inappropriate uh Uh, expenditure of our tax dollars and and very very little oversight into that in fact it's a very closed shop and and when you try and penetrate it uh, the doors are closed very very quickly
0: thank you so much jim for sharing your time and your expertise with us today i'm so grateful for your dedication and your ongoing commitment to can lime and i really look forward to speaking with you next year to hear about all the projects that can lime is working on
1: Uh, you're very welcome very welcome.
0: Jim Wilson is the president of CanLyme, an organization dedicated to research, education, diagnosis, and treatment of Lyme and tick borne illnesses. I continue to be impressed by his selflessness and his commitment to this organization. It was such an honor to have him join us. That is another podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Cormode. Stay safe in the outdoors.